but uh, I'm I'm feeling actually really sick. <laughs> I'm not feeling good at all. Um, it could be much worse, so I'm trying to keep that in mind. But at this point, I've been in quarantine since Friday before last. I haven't seen another human <laughs> for that amount of time um, either. So, yeah, I just I don't feel well at all. I've had a fever for that many days, too. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm coughing and, and with the fever and I just, you know, the, the, the off and on chills and sweating and, and just the fatigue is just unreal. Like doing absolutely anything is, is draining. I, I just woke up from a nap, like doing anything. Like Jordan just asked me if I'm watching any, anything, I can't concentrate on anything. So no, I, I miss my kids. I missed Thanksgiving with my kids. Um, I don't want to go on and on about like poor Jen, but my assumption is, is that I have, have COVID, um, uh, I was exposed. The last thing I, I did was cover and, and sorry about like the way I'm talking, like it is actually hard for me to talk. Um, so like it's, it's hard for me to like, I do have shortness of breath. So uh, the, the last thing I did was cover the the crazy Rudy Giuliani um, insane uh, with Sid, back when Sidney Powell was on the uh, the legal team back when they they kind of endorsed her on their team and Andrew Giuliani Rudy's son uh, was then found to have COVID on the next day or or the day after I can't quite remember um, I, I had a fever like came out later that Boris Epstein had COVID. Um, I, I freaked out like once I had a fever and basically I took an at-home COVID test right away, um, which I think was a mistake. Like I shouldn't have taken an at-home one and I shouldn't have taken it right away. Um, and because I took it so soon, like that one came back negative, but it's pretty much like I have COVID. I think like I, I have all the symptoms and um and here i am so and you got yeah, uh, you also I, went I you well. also went in person a few days later to get a test yeah but i can't get those results for for reasons that i'll explain later it's it's been really hectic so i don't yet have those results but we'll we'll see well, um, I, I think in the end it'll i was going to say i think your story is pretty much representative of many places <laughs> cuz many places including when you and i went where i live to get tested uh on the way back from a trip, places are running out of tests. There's delays in getting results uh, where you would normally get it maybe in three or four days. You get it in a week or two. So your results are um, limited. Uh, in this case, I am going to cut you off because I do think I could see that it's hard for you to talk. So let me just exploit. Well, hold on. I want to adjust this this person, this one Apple TV user who's saying like 0. 0.003 to 0. 0.1 survival rate. Like, screw you guys. Like, I'm not saying no one's saying I'm like dying. I'm a young person. Jordan have this too. I don't. These COVID deniers are just ridiculous. It's just wear a mask. Like, yeah, most like most people who get this are going to survive. There are people um, close to Jordan who 
you have those who are asymptomatic. It's, it's just, it's fresh. This is, you don't want to get this. I haven't seen my kids. Like they're on the other side of the door. I can't see them. Like you person, like this sucks. You don't want to get this. COVID swear jar. Feel free. Uh, drop a super <laughs> chat. Uh, I'll also say uh, right now, I think you have a little over a hundred fever. You said, yeah. So your fever has been uh, upwards of, I think near one Oh two at one point. Right. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it hasn't gone super high, but it's this is the longest like I have had a sustained fever. There was one day where it seemed like it broke, but 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 it you know then it came back. So so and also people should realize that you know the event you covered, you were wearing a mask, but it's not foolproof. Um, if you're not wearing and like N95 is the best. I don't know which one you are wearing. Um, but even if you're wearing a mask, it's not foolproof, particularly when you're in a tiny little room packed like sardines with Rudy Giuliani and his maskless hair dye ranting and Boris, uh, there was five people up close, uh, without masks. Um, not to mention the other people that weren't in the room, but were around not wearing masks and, you know, it's exhausting. I mean, you've explained to me it's exhausting just to get up to go to the bathroom. Um, yeah. So, yeah. COVID deniers and, and truthers. What can I say? They're just they're idiots. Uh, but let, yeah. um, so the update is, yes, you feel like that you feel like death. But fortunately, you're not feeling anything that needs to be hospital hospitalized. And unfortunately, you just have to wait this out. Um, but. I want to shift the discussion to why you're uh, braving it out uh, to come on today. Um, we hit 100,000 subscribers. Holy cow, 100,000 subscribers. And it's a mixed bag. I, I would love, love to say and get into the fact that, frankly, we probably would have been at 100,000 subscribers about two years ago, if not for YouTube and it hiding us in a cave. Um, yeah. Based on when I was at the Young Turks, I grew that channel to 140,000 subscribers in less than a year. That was before YouTube changed its algorithm, started hiding independent outlets in a cave, um, started not only suppressing independent outlets, but demonetizing pretty much as soon as you publish a video. Um, so we would be even greater if not for all that. But focusing on the positive... Even with all the obstacles, working six, seven days a week, many hours a day, dealing with, I mean, having pretty much other than an initial small investor, a viewer invested 50000 not a oligarch or a Wall Street guy, just a regular viewer in, in, the, middle, in the Midwest. We spent that on equipment and, and bringing Ty on at that point. So other than that, it's been the viewers, GoFundMe, uh, membership, and just really two and a half people, Collins part-time, um, just grinding it. And it, it's been maddening. It's been, um, you know, we've tasted that when we kind of sneak out of YouTube's basement and people see us, we get a huge surge of subscribers. Um, the last, I think, basically November, I think we've hit uh, 10,000 new subscribers just in November. Uh, part of that was the election coverage. Uh, but we also have had, we've seen 
subscriber boosts and paid membership boosts because that's our model paid membership uh when we've reported in flint which no one else has been doing when we've reported uh general motors laying off fifteen thousand people we were in the midwest when we went to seattle and covered uh jeff bezos's uh you know basically homeless dystopia caused by amazon when we've went to virginia to cover people literally protesting atop their trees basically when we've been on the ground covering things before the pandemic and even during the pandemic i mean i don't know anyone else that took a covid depression tour uh literally interviewing real people who were unemployed uh facing um pressures to come back to work uh when it was unsafe interviewing waitresses interviewing construction workers interviewing real people um we've seen gains and um you know we deliberately started this as a for-profit not a non-profit not because we wanted to be rich that's not going to happen but because we wanted to show that actually a viewer funded model based on small dollar memberships could actually contest and compete with corporate media now we're not going to lie we, you know we're not toppling corporate media tomorrow however i think frank as humbly as i could say it i don't see anyone else doing the reporting we're doing uh, if we had a massive investor from a, a real pure source we'd be out in the field even more uh, but I'm proud um, because it is not easy to do this. You know, when I see emails from people, you know, Kyle Kalinske doesn't ask for money every five minutes or or this, you know, people complaining. I don't think they truly realize that our overhead of expenses to even get to 100000 no offense to Kyle or anybody else that's a commentator, you know, in their studio, it's it's apples and oranges. We have We have expenses that others do not, including travel, including equipment. You and I were just talking the other day. We might want to make another equipment purchase to upgrade our live view, which would cost us over uh, between thirteen and $15,000 because the last time we were live at a big event, it was buffering and freezing the live view that we have now because we don't have uh, something called an extender, which would help uh, in an event with thousands of people. But the bottom line is I'm very proud. I'm very happy. I'm hoping somehow past 100000 now we've kind of, Maybe the algorithm will let up a little bit and uh, let us be seen to more people because still today we have people that used to watch me at the Young Turks. Oh, Jordan, you're back. This is going on almost three years we've had this channel. People in large part have not seen us like and it, it, we don't show up. But thank you to everybody from the early subscribers to new subscribers to the community to our paid members, thank you. Uh, you could become a paid member at five bucks a month, um, as low as five bucks a month. And, uh, you know, it's not just about hitting a number. It's about the fact that we have such a loyal and avid fan base uh, and, and viewer base, and they're not watching us purely for entertainment. They have decided that this is, not that we're essential workers, but what we're doing is essential because there's such a blackout on real in the field, on the ground, reporting. So that's my long-winded thing of saying thank you to everybody. And uh, what's your thoughts, Jen? I just, um, you know, we we always say it like we we have the the best viewers in in the world. Obviously, we couldn't have done this without you guys, um, because you guys are it. You are the subscribers. Um, and it was 
you know, the the night that we hit, I guess it was Friday night that we hit um, 100,000 and just like the community cheering us on and kind of everyone getting into the, you know, you're, you're almost there, you're almost there and, and people sharing and, and helping us reach that goal. And, and you know, that's it. You, you guys are the, the community, which, which Anat came up with that, um, that name and it truly fits because that's what this is. It's not, you know, it's not us just getting on air and just, you know, talking and just being talking heads or whatever, and and just talking at you guys. It's really, um, it's really made up of all of you. And it wouldn't be what it is without you. And yeah, just just thank you. And I think we're we're gonna just go up from here. This is a huge, huge milestone and, and I'm really, really happy that we made it. So yay. <laughs> Indeed. And um, you know, honestly, I think that what's that cheesy saying I always say? Half of life is just showing up. <laughs> I stole that from Keanu Reeves. He said that in a cheesy <laughs> baseball movie, Hardball. But nobody else is doing what we're doing. Every Most other journalists, I put in air quotes, even in the independent space, uh, purely just kind of do a merry-go-round of hot takes on substanceless news of the day. Very few are actually going out into the field. And uh, it, it's not to say that there's no value in just doing commentary from home. There's there's plenty of value in that. Um, and we respect a lot of the people uh, in progressive media that uh, don't go out. But I think that going out there and really putting a face, I think we put a face to what Bernie talked about, which is the disappearing middle class, um, the 40-year controlled demolition of the middle class, um, the you know, continuation of 400 years of sin against black people. Uh, I think as far as I know, we cover indigenous stories and injustice more than anyone else. And we'll continue to do it. And it's not going to be easy. You know, obviously the next goal would be 250,000 and then other milestones. Uh, YouTube isn't changing. It's only getting worse for us. So we're going to continue to try and be creative and come up with other ways to get our content out there. Um, hopefully, as we go, we'll be able to um, grow this because uh, that's that's our business model. And this is how we're going to be able to eventually expand and hire more reporters and uh, more producers and um, really stay. We, we don't want to ever become like, uh, dare I say, some other outlets that maybe got too big and forgot who they were. But we do want to get bigger so we have we could cover more, uh, more stories in the field, different parts of the country um, and, you know, go from there. So I thank everybody. Jen, uh, any parting words? Because I, I don't want you to have to stay on and, and exert too much energy. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, a blistering attack on the wine moms all, all across America. <laughs> no just just um thank you everybody and uh yeah just keep on spreading the word of status quo that's how we grow and how we'll continue to grow and um yeah go community i want to read to you the story and then show you the i consider it wine mom suburban biden supporter meltdown at the, 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 the sheer outrage of the New York Times reporting this. New York Times, by the way, very timid headline. I think it's a lot more corrupt than the New York Times says. 
But Biden's aides tied to consulting an investment firm poses ethics test. When you actually read the read the uh, story, you'll know. Ooh, did the New York Times undersell it? One firm. Let me zoom in so you can read it. One firm helps uh, companies navigate global risks and the political and procedural ins and outs of Washington. The other is an investment fund with a particular interest in military contractors. But the consulting firm West Ex West Exec Advisors and the investment fund Pine Island Capital Partners call themselves strategic partners and have featured an overlapping roster of politically connected officials, including some of the most prominent names on President-elect Biden's team and others under consideration for high-ranking posts. Now the Biden team's links to these entities are presenting the incoming administration with its first test of transparency and ethics. Oh, its first test. Oh, boy. The two firms are examples of how former officials uh, leverage their expertise on uh, expertise connections and access on behalf of corporations and other interests uh, without, in some cases, disclosing details about their work, including the names of clients uh, or what they are paid. So let's let's follow along with this, shall we? So. And when those officials cycle back into government positions as Democrats affiliated with West X and Pine Island are now, they bring with them questions about whether they might favor or give special access to the companies they had worked with in the private sector. West X founders include Tony Blinken, Mr. Biden's choice for Secretary of State, and Michelle Flournay, who, as of now, is the leading contender for defense secretary. She would have been Hillary Clinton's defense secretary if Hillary didn't blow the election. Among others to come out of West X are Avril Haines, Biden's picked for director of national intelligence, Christina Killingsworth, who is helping the president-elect organize his White House budget office, Eli Ratner, who is helping organize the Biden transition at the Pentagon, and Jen Psaki, an advisor on Biden's transition team, who is also uh, with Obama's administration. West X did not respond when asked for a list of clients. How shocking. But according to people familiar with the arrangement, they include Shield AI, San Diego-based company that makes surveillance drones and signed a contract worth as much as $7.2 with the Air Force this year to deliver artificial intelligence tools to help drones operate in combat missions. We know President Obama was the drone king. Donald Trump continued Obama's droning all over the world didn't get a lot of attention because why should they care about Donald Trump droning uh, the Middle East and bombing people if it has nothing to do with Russia, which is all the media cared about. At the same time, Blinken and Ms. Flournay have served as advisors to Pine Island Capital, which this month raised $218 million for a new fund to finance investments in military and aerospace companies, among other targets. The team recruited by Pine Island which is led by John Thane, the chief executive of Merrill Lynch. Oh, God. At the time of its collapse in 2008 uh, during the recession and sale to Bank of America was chosen based on its members, quote, access, network and expertise to help the company, quote, take advantage of the current and future opportunities present in the aerospace, defense and government services industries including artificial intelligence, according to the SEC filing in September. I want to skip around here for a second. David Sirota has something 
wrote about this also. Um, quote, the reputations and networks of Pine Island's capital partners team, both individually and collectively, will ensure exposure to a significant number of proprietary opportunities, the company said in one SEC document. So keyword and networks and networks will expose, give them significant number of proprietary opportunities to sell contracts for weapons, surveillance systems, cybersecurity systems, to cash in on Biden's continuation of the military-industrial complex. The quote continues, quote, We believe there will be increased demand in the U.S. defense market for advanced electronics, communications, sensor and detection processing, and other technologies that enhance the modernization efforts of the Department of Defense military readiness. We believe this demand represents strong growth that our management team is uniquely positioned to capitalize on, given our combined investment experience and deeply connected partner group of former U.S. defense and government officials. Well, it's not just that you have former defense officials. You're going to have active U.S. defense leaders and cabinet officials who literally just came from your company, now serving in Biden's cabinet and top advisor positions. The company says Stain, the Merrill Lynch goon, and CEO Philip Cooper founded the firm, quote, on the idea that a talented group of accomplished, highly respected, commercially savvy, and long-tenured former government and military officials, when fully aligned and engaged, could enable a first-class investment team with better access. Remember, I'm emphasizing key words. Access, network, better information, better expertise, and better management skills. David Sirota got a quote from uh, David Segal. Quote, this is so explicit that it's astonishing Pine Island even put it on paper, said David Siegel of Demand Progress Grassroots Group, pressuring Biden to reject cabinet appointments tied to corporations. Quote, this is not an example of people who happen to work at a big company. These are partners at a firm whose stated business model is to profit from the revolving door and connections gained from time in government. Not to mention, I, I the New York Times referenced it, Pine Island announced its $200 million uh, public offering after the election and projects COVID-related profits. Again, Michelle Flournay, Tony Blinken were involved with Pine Island. On November 16th, two weeks after Election Day, Pine Island announced an initial public offering of $200 million in its new investment vehicle called Pine Island Acquisition Corp. In that filing, the company suggests that because of its ties to former government officials, it will have an advantage in investing and specifically boast its team includes Michelle Flournay, who, again, is it's all but over that she's going to be the defense secretary. Quote, Pine Island Partners spends the majority of its time focused in the aerospace, defense and government services sectors where Pine Island Capital Partners believes it has extensive con connections so here we're hearing it network access connections to industry leaders unusual access to information and often unique insights into specific companies programs and overall market dynamics quote the reputations and networks of pine island capitals partner team both individually and collectively will ensure exposure to a significant number of proprietary opportunities here is 
the, the part where they're talking about profiting off of the pandemic. We further believe COVID-19 will be a tailwind for the sector. Quote, critical to any successful government services offering is the skill set, integrity, and security clearances of those who execute on its strategy. Our deep bench of connected advisors and former government officials will be the catalyst to recruiting, retaining, and developing an elite team of managers and employees, which we believe we will enable us to exploit an opportunity in government services. The financial relationship between Blinken, Flournay, Austin, and Pine Island could in theory be detailed as part of the Senate confirmation process. However, government ethics regulations allow that information to be concealed if nominees assert that they signed non-disclosure agreements with counterparties. By the way, that's already happening. Anthony Blinken, for his vetting to be Secretary of State, has not disclosed all of the defense clients that he did work for consulting with um, when he was at uh, Westec, West, when he, uh, excuse me, Tony Blinken and Michelle Flournay, again, the, the choice, the nominee for secretary of state, the soon to be nominee for Michelle Flournay and let uh, the soon to be defense secretary nominee, Michelle Flournay, unless this gets bigger and Biden is pressured to not do that. Uh, they created West exec, um, and uh, were consultants for Pine Island. And essentially, Tony Blinken with uh, Michelle Flournay, they are part of this endless revolving door. Michelle Flournay worked in Bill Clinton's administration, Obama's administration, Tony Blinken, same thing. And they come and go like a revolving door. They work in the government, then they cash in on their government experience, going to create these consulting firms. They land they, they serve as the bridge for defense contractors to uh, land contracts with government agencies because those government agencies are, are in large part still being run by people they worked with. So you see that, as Hillary said, my public-private position? There's a public position and a private position. These folks are going through that public-private position as, a, as, as they're being. Let's get down to it. Bottom line, Tony Blinken. Michelle Flournay and these other people have profited personally off of serving in previous administrations. I'm not going to condemn them because that's just the way it is. It's wrong, but they're not the first two to do that. So they're not some, you know, out of the ordinary uh, species. They've cashed in because in, just like we don't have term limits in our government, we also really don't have real with teeth in them prohibitions on public servants then going to be lobbyists then going to be defense defense consultants and whatnot tony blinken and anthony and michelle florida helped land massive contracts for defense contractors aerospace cybersecurity, you name it with the um with under uh, the trump administration uh and uh they are now in the biden administration or one of them is the other one will probably be they their networks, their connections, their access. Essentially what this is, is the people that were landing the contracts for landing the contracts for these corporations are now going to be in position to set defense and military policy to further enrich their uh, corporation, their companies that they created and that they uh, consulted for. Now, devil's advocate would say, well, Jordan, 
Of course, they're going to have to divest from West Exec and Pine Island if they are to become Secretary of State, if they are to become um, Defense Secretary. Yeah, that's fine. They, they might, but it's not going to prohibit them from cashing in once they leave office because that's how D.C. is. They, yeah, they could divest while they're in office. They will make, they will uh, have the incentive to set policy that helps West Exec, that helps Pine Island, that, we, and helping them means create business. If you're Secretary of State, if you're Defense Secretary, create business that calls for massive contracts for Boeing, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, um, Lockheed Martin, other uh, smaller uh, defense contractors, cybersecurity, aerospace, drone technology, you name it. And I think cyber is going to become particularly big in the next few years. And if you create that business, well, you're going to have a nice payday waiting for you when you leave. This is blatantly corrupt. Um, but apparently, if you are a Joe Biden supporter, if you are a wine mom, if you are one of these suburban voters that Biden and the Democrats uh, went crazy to court and ultimately won because of these suburban voters, in addition to Donald Trump uh, doing such a terrible job during a pandemic, nothing to see here. And this was so illuminating. I'm just going to show you tweets uh, because it's so illuminated. Here's the New York Times reporter who broke this story. Frankly, I thought the New York Times story was pretty mild considering this is blatant corruption. I thought the headline was pretty mild. Biden's aides ties to consulting and investment firms pose ethics tests. Uh, they don't pose ethics tests. They're blatant conflicts of interest that in a normal civilized country that has ethics in government, that has regulations, that actually has uh, integrity in government wouldn't even be considered. It's not a test. This is a blatant conflict of interest. But if you hear the Biden supporters and the Trump derangement folks, nothing to see here. Oh, we are back to caring about ethics and conflicts of interest, one responded. Please don't. Nothing the, the next administration does will remotely compare with the daily insults to women, environment, immigrants, and decency. I have to heal my PTSD starting at 12.01 on 1-20-2021. Oh, I can't wait for you to heal your PTSD over Chardonnay on your porch in somewhere in suburbia. Christopher, where have you been for the past four years? I guess you never heard the name Donald J. Trump and corruption. Oh. So Trump was corrupt, so let's not focus on Biden and the Democrats because we don't really care about corruption if it's the Democrats doing it because we're just tribal, uh, mindless sheep that follow the Democratic Party, even though the Democratic Party is fucking the masses. What is secretive about a firm that has a website, photos of members with bios? Yes, because the story is really about secrecy. Newsflash, all after the media let Trump get away with gutting the government and replacing it with sycophants like what he's done in third world dictatorships in Russia with little to no long lasting scrutiny. See Jared and Ivanka and their ties to Saudis. No one cares. 
This wouldn't be anything like getting trademarks fast-tracked in China, would it? Or loans to finance a New York real estate fiasco? Oh, wait, family must be different. Maybe four years ago, I'd have cared, but now it's just not... Uh, now it's not just about driving Republicans f- from power, but keeping them from it as well. Couldn't care less about a Democrat doing usual D.C. stuff. This is this is it. This is it. Uh, I'll read some more, but this right here, and I'm sorry to, you know, focus on this person. I'm sure he's a nice person. But this right here shows you the complete numbness, out of touchness, And frankly, it ain't so bad for me, so screw you, mindset that has been drilled into the Bryans of the world. And again, not not trying to dox you or or be uh, particularly rude to him, but couldn't care less about Democrats doing usual D.C. stuff story. The problem is the corporate media and the propaganda that you see digitally that you see through these super PACs that you see through Rachel Maddow that you see through New York Times columnists like Thomas Friedman and um who's the other one I don't like Thomas Friedman um forget who the other one is did they frame it oh Democrats doing usual D.C. stuff story. Yeah, Democrats doing usual D.C. stuff story is why this exists. That usual D.C. stuff is why we've had a grand larceny, a grand heist, the biggest bank robbery in the world's history for the last 40 to 50 years. That usual D.C. stuff, the total basically tossing away of any real regulation in money and politics. The, I mean, blatant, just tossing away any government ethics laws, having government ethics laws that literally can be breached with no violation, no jail time, literally having a revolving door between lobbyists, between corporations, between banks, between media that, Many in the media then work in government and then go back to the media is why we have what we have now. And that's only up to 2015. I haven't seen a a graph updated to today. It's why, by the way, look at this. Nearly 19 million Americans could lose their homes when eviction limits expire at the end of this year. Yes, COVID has expedited that, but why the hell are so many people in this country, I would say the overwhelming majority, so vulnerable in the first place economically? It's because we don't have a government for the people. We have the government run by the bourgeoisie. We have a United Corporations of America. And the, the maddening part of all of this Everything, everything those people say, everything those people say about Donald Trump is true. Everything they say is about Donald Trump is true. Frankly, I don't really know what they're talking about because all I saw for the last four years was the New York Times and others. That's all they reported on Donald Trump. I saw plenty of reporting in the New York Times, the Washington Post and elsewhere. Daily Beast, BuzzFeed about Trump shady deals, 
Trump's, Trump's profiteering from his D.C. hotel, uh, basically selling access to foreign dignitaries and foreign leaders, uh, basically making them stay at his hotel in D.C. as kind of a price of doing business and getting his ear. Uh, Ivanka and her shady dealings. This is all I saw. And also all the Russia stuff. So I don't really know what these people were talking about. I didn't see much reporting on Trump's um, devastation uh, in ter- environmentally. That should have been, to me, the leading story when it comes to Donald Trump, not Russia. Uh, repealing clean air, repealing uh, clean water regulations, uh, continuing uh, massive drilling and fracking, trying to drill onto Native American reservations, which has not gotten a lot of attention. So these people... Besides the fact that they're wrong, there was plenty of attention, too much, if you ask me, on Donald Trump and his corruption. So what you're saying is what we just, what, what we just defeated is way worse. So let's not focus on what's, you know, just your normal corruption. Normal corruption we could tolerate because that normal corruption doesn't affect us. It doesn't affect me, wine mom of America. It doesn't affect me you know, your moderate Republican who might have switched to Biden, although Trump did get 93 percent of Republicans. So this whole let's sell the Democratic Party and sell the DNC so that John Kasich, Colin Powell and other Republican corporatist warmongers could speak actually was a bad strategy because it didn't work. The reason Biden won was not because of Republican voters switching it was because of suburban uh, expanding suburban votes, particularly uh, the, the suburbs of Detroit cleaned up for Biden and the suburbs of Atlanta, which have a very strong black population, came out for Biden. That's why he won Georgia. That's why he won Michigan. It was Detroit and Atlanta and their surrounding suburbs. Um, And frankly, to me, Arizona had way less to do about Joe Biden. I think the chickens came home to roost. I think Cindy McCain's um, endorsement made a lot of difference. John McCain was pretty beloved in Arizona and Arizona uh, finally had enough of Donald Trump uh, and his attacks on John McCain. I think that's why, uh, particularly Cindy McCain, who is beloved, and the McCain family is beloved in Arizona, let's not get into that because they shouldn't be, uh, I think helped Biden win, not because, you know, all these states just love them, some neoliberal corporatism warmongering. What this is showing is the majority of the resistance, and I said this before Trump lost, the majority of the resistance was never actually about corruption. It was never actually about injustice. It was never actually about income inequality. It was never actually about this gilded age of, uh, uh, and, and the gross corruption, Trump putting the CEO of Exxon Mobil as his secretary of state, Trump bringing in every degenerate criminal banker from Steve Mnuchin who illegally foreclosed on millions of Americans uh, during the 2008-2009 financial crash, and Attorney General of California, Kamala Harris, looked the other way and didn't prosecute him. Um, It was never about any of these things. It was about Trump derangement. It was about corruption being out front. It was about corruption not being like the good old days of Bill Clinton, of Reagan, of Bush, of Obama, behind closed doors. It was about the corruption being so in your face. And don't get me wrong, I think Trump is one of the most corrupt presidents we've had because he's one of the most corrupt people we've had in this country. I mean, if you watch, I think it's on Netflix, Trump, the American Dream, 
I mean, this man is so corrupt. His father was corrupt. His whole family is corrupt. Not breaking news. And I'm not making excuses for him, and I'm not belittling that corruption. It's, it's also clear to me Trump did make uh, financial decisions, uh, did make policy decisions as president to benefit his company in the long term and his brand in the long term. But when your response to, frankly, a extremely tame, mild New York Times story basically saying uh, Biden's pick for secretary of state, Biden's pick or likely pick for defense secretary, uh, they're just came from two organizations, one that they created, the other one that they advised, that basically cashed in for defense contractors. And now they're going to be in position very soon after they created that company to basically make decisions that benefit those companies and benefit um, defense contractors because it's in their interest, their personal interests, too. Uh, make money for defense contractors to continue the endless wars, the military industrial complex, because then they could cash out long term. And it's not only the financial incentive. This is the key. It's not only the financial incentive. It's not only the gross corruption. They, they and their twisted worldview actually believe that we need all of this. 